to welcome as she comes and speaks about, well, many, many of you don't know, but this lady here has been an anchor for this church over the last four years, nearly, I would say, three, three years. And behind the scenes, she has been working as a, an administrator, HR director, finance director, and doing so many things behind the scenes remotely. And as, as Becky and I come into this church, we could not have built the church or changed the things that we have changed without the help of this wonderful lady. So we just want to honor you. We want to thank you for all that you've done for the life of the church, but we also honor the work that you do also with your husband, Andy, with WOW. But you do an amazing, amazing job for her here at Restore Church. Please give her a round of applause. Ah, <coughs> oh, thanks so much. That was really lovely of you. Yes, if you get emails from a Rachel, because I work remotely most of the time, that's me. So, uh, and it's been a privilege, actually, to be part of this church. And kind of this church is like my second church, really. And I know many of you really well. And I've come to know you really well during my time here. And it's, it's just lovely. And it's great to be here and see familiar faces looking back at me. But I do have another hat, a main hat that I wear. And that is together with Andy, running an organization called World, <coughs> World of Worth, or WOW, as we affectionately call it. And we work in developing nations with women and girls to provide education and business opportunities and take them out of poverty. So many of these girls and women that we work with live in extreme poverty. So what does that mean? That means that they live without sanitation, without running water, they struggle to send their children to school, many of their children don't therefore go to school, they're involved in child labour. And extreme poverty just means that they are living in fear, they don't have a safe space to live, and we want to lift them out of that and give them hope and a future. And we want to create for them a world in which women and girls know their value and worth. And that is why we're called World of Worth. Because, you know, Jesus came to give hope to the hopeless. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. And he left a mandate on us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to love people, to show them acceptance. And that is what we want to do. We want to be the the feet of Jesus going into these communities and raising up the marginalized, those who've been abandoned, those who've been abused, and those who live in fear, just to lift them up and give them hope in Jesus' name. There's a verse in the Bible that says to, he wants to create beauty from ashes. And many of these women and girls are broken. They are the brokenhearted. And they have been through trauma and absolutely horrendous backgrounds. And we want to create beauty from that. And how do we do that? So we come alongside them, we, we put them onto our WOW programs, and we provide an education for girls. We also provide business training for women because we want them to be able to help themselves. We want them to be able to send their children to school. We want them to be able to feed their family. But at first, we just come alongside, we get them to meet together on a weekly basis, and we just love them. We share the love of Jesus with them, we feed them, we give them health care, and we just lift them up. Then we just take them through a business training so that they have the skills in which to learn how to do business. That might be, for some of them, learning, some of them want to be hairdressers, we take them through hairdressing training. Some of them want to actually have their own business, maybe fast food, preparing snacks, 
then we give them training in that. We work alongside them to find out what their passion is, what their desire is, so that we can help them to fulfill what they want to do in life, so that they can be self-sustainable, they can be self-sufficient. But all of that is just with a, a great sense of community and encouragement and friendship where they come together, we pray with them, we, we counsel them, they come to Bible studies and are part of the local church. So how do we get these women and girls? The we work really closely with local government. And local government refer to our programs the most vulnerable women and girls in society. And so we actually have the privilege of going and visiting these women. Andy has just come back from Uganda. He's going to share a little bit about that and some exciting opportunities there. And last year I had the privilege of going to Ethiopia. And when we started in Ethiopia, these women just looked so downcast with the weight of the world on their shoulder. They could barely lift their heads up. They looked at the floor. And one of them just fell at my feet sobbing as she told me how grateful she was that we were paying for her child to have an education, that we were supporting them through an education program. And it's so humbling when somebody sobs at your feet. Oh, my goodness. And it just broke me, and I just asked, started asking these women some questions. You know, what, what do you do then? How do you live? She was living in this little shack, and it wasn't waterproof. When it rained, it flooded out. There was a dirt floor. She had one bed, and she had herself and two children. And she had a plastic chair, and there wasn't much else in there at all, a few little pots and pans. And she said to me that she worked six days a week, uh, and she earned a pound a day. And bearing in mind that inflation at the moment is absolutely horrendous, a bottle of cooking oil in Ethiopia is costing about two or three pounds. When you're only earning a pound a day, how can you ever afford to live? So we've come alongside these women and women like this around the world to really help them to make more money, to earn more money, but more than that, to lift up their heads so that they can know that they have value and worth and are precious in God's eyes. So I'm going to show you a little uh, media clip that just is a very quick overview of what we do, and then I'll share a bit more. Thank you. 
see, Andy doesn't change in all of those photos, but I just keep changing my hairstyles, colours and everything <laughs> like that, because that's what women do. And I'm going a bit grey as well, I was trying to cover it up. But, uh, you know, Jesus was all about the one, wasn't he? The parable of the lost son, the, you know, the, the widow, and the lost sheep. And we have a little saying in Wow, we can't change the world, but we can change someone's world. Because every single person is so precious to God. And we can't solve all the world's problems. I so wish I could, like many other people. But, you know, God is in control, but we have a responsibility. And if we can just help one person to just gain just something, some love, some acceptance, some hope in Jesus, then that is amazing, to transform someone's world. So for us, so I'm just going to talk for a few minutes on a few of the women and girls that we have transformed. And this is just a little snapshot of what we do. So uh, I want to show a, a photo of, of a girl called Pavitra in India. So if you can line up. This is Pavitra in India. Now, Pavitra was born disabled. She comes from a very rural vi village. And in India, girls from rural villages very rarely finish education. They are usually married between the ages of 12 and 14. Uh, and education for women isn't really valued. Many of them end up in child labor, uh, or like I say, pregnant, and the cycle of poverty just continues. And we have some children's homes in India. Now, um, we know that so we are trying to move away from institutionalized care, but you know, these homes really serve a purpose because many of these girls from these villages are not safe at all. And many of the women bring the girls, the mothers, bring the girls to our home for safety reasons. And, you know, just to keep them safe from abuse and, and other things that you, you can imagine, the trauma there. And so Pavitra was brought to our home because her mother died when she was three. Her father then died when she was six. And her auntie tried to care for her. But Pavitra couldn't talk, she couldn't walk. And, you know, already disadvantaged because she was born a girl. Being disabled as well was just... You know, a girl from a rural village, there was just no hope of a future for her. So she was brought to our home. And because of the love and care from the, the uh, house wardens there, she was able to start walking, talking, and dressing herself. She went through the home and she got an education. And then she went to university. And she graduated with a degree in economics. So if we can put the other photo up. Not only did she graduate with a degree in economics, she's gone and she's done a master's degree. So, wow. What an amazing transformation that love and care can do. Uh, we also uh, are really proud of the girls here. This is some of the other girls that are studying at university that we're supporting through university in India. They win awards for all sorts of things because we teach them life skills and we want them to have fun. And we want it to be a real family atmosphere in our homes. So here are they proudly showing us their awards there. Uh, and, you know, when we go, um, if we just go to the next photo, there's some of the girls there that are studying at university, all of them from very rural backgrounds, all of them either orphaned or semi-orphans, having only one parent who cannot afford to send them to school, let alone university. And the next photo, we were there, we just loved to have fun with them, so we taught them to play Uno. We took some Uno cards with them, and they just thought that was great fun, and we left them with them when we were there. So that's just a little snapshot of what we're doing in India. So moving across the world to Ethiopia, uh, we have got some women there on, an education, uh, on a business enterprise program. And we actually bring them into 
uh, together, we give them business training, and then we give them access to a micro-loan. Because these women, they don't have bank accounts, they have, there's no way that they could borrow money in order to help them to get a start in life. And you know, all they need is an opportunity. They are prepared to work hard, they're prepared to learn, but there is no opportunity. So we want to give them that opportunity. So we have 60 women there uh, who are on a micro-loan program. And this is one of the women here. Now she sells charcoal. Uh, her name is Balanesh, and it's a really dirty business. And I was like, why would you want to do that? Why would you choose? Well, it's because it's actually a really profitable business. And she actually loves selling it because people come to her little shop, they uh, buy the charcoal, she's like known in the community now, she's made friends in the community, but actually she has increased her income by 150%. Who here would like to increase their income by 150%? That's a lot of money. She's now paying for her children to go to school, she can feed her family, and she's actually graduated, she's repaid all her loan, and she's graduated the programme uh, so that other women can now come and borrow from that fund. So uh, if you just move on to the next, there I am visiting her in a little shop. She's now looking for bigger premises. And what we say to the women is, if you do really well and you repay your loan and you're making a profit, you can re-borrow from the fund to grow your business, to get an employee. So we're actually really teaching them the principles of business and growth. And while I was there with her, I kind of, uh, I'm a huggy person. I love giving hugs. I know not everybody is. And uh, when I met Andy, he wasn't a huggy person. And I said, look, this is never going to work. If you're going to be with me, you need to learn to be a huggy person. <laughs> and see, you can't change the world, but you can change someone's world. <laughs> so I, I always love these women. I give them big hugs whenever I go, and they give me big hugs back. And that's just the culture that we've created of love and acceptance and, and sharing Jesus' love on them. So anyway, she knows that I give hugs. So I went to her shop and she went, don't give me a hug, I'm really dirty. I went, don't be silly, come here. You know, Jesus didn't matter, he washed people's feet. And you know, people didn't wear sandals much in, in those days. They would have had dirty feet. And for me to give her a hug, it was, it was a privilege and a joy to just love on her like Jesus loved. So uh, that's Ethiopia, and that's Balanesh. Uh, going across to Uganda, I'm not going to spend much time in Uganda because Andy's going to focus a little bit on Uganda. But we do the same in Uganda. Micro-businesses, it's called a village saving and loan. And uh, we love the women there. They are vibrant and joyful. And um, this is Rose. Rose is 65 years old, and she has five dependent grandchildren. The mum and dad have died, and she is looking after five children. Now, she's on her uh, project. She sells her produce at Martha. She has perma gardens, which is um, small gardens that she tends, and she grows vegetables and crops, and she sells them, and she supports her five children. Now, in Uganda, we have a widow of the month because we just love to spoil these women. And whoever does the best in their business that month, we give a gift. So this was Rose behind me, I can see it up there. This is Rose receiving her Widow of the Month gift because we want to value and love and show these women that we care about them in every way that we can. And then finally, I'm going to go across to Bulgaria. So we also work in Bulgaria. I don't know if anybody here has been to Bulgaria on holiday. It's a popular holiday destination. It is a beautiful country. Uh, and yet, behind the scenes, there are scenes of poverty. So you can see there, just this is the edge of the um, 
place that where we're working. It's a place that's called Sliven. It's a place called Nadejda, which means hope. It should actually be called hopeless, in, in all honesty. And you can see there are no tarmacked roads. Um, the houses uh, are falling down. If you go to the next, this is a scene. Would you think that this was an EU country? This is abject poverty. Children in bare feet, bearing in mind that in winter it can get to minus 40 degrees. And in the summer, sorry, not minus 40, minus 20. And in the summer it can get to 40 degrees. The heat is stifling, the poverty is stifling, and these children that grow up there have no way of getting out of this community. There is a lot of prejudice against the Roma community for many complex reasons. And if their, their education for, the, for young children here is free, but if you don't own a pair of shoes, you can't go to school. And many of them don't even own a pair of shoes. And so we are working in two areas in Sliven in Bulgaria and a, another city called Plovdiv, uh, where we have after-school projects. So we, we buy the children's shoes so they can go to school. We then give them education uh, several times a week where they come, they get a hot meal uh, and some food, and we, we give them extra help with their homework because they need that extra help. And we also uh, give them life skills training. We teach them about the environment. We teach them about ca taking care of their environment, about picking up your litter and, and those things. We also teach them about um, health and hygiene. And uh, what we're really pleased is that four of these children in from the after-school Roma projects are now in university. Now, bearing in mind these children, many of these children from areas like this do not go to school at all. Bearing in mind that um, many of them are sadly trafficked, human trafficking, sold into slavery, often by a family member because they are so desperately poor, it's the only way to get money. Many of them end up doing jobs that you wouldn't even want to think about because they are desperate for money and they see no other way out of poverty. So for four of the children from these from these uh, communities to actually be in university right now is a miracle. And so uh, that's what we're doing in the Roma communities there in Bulgaria. We're working very closely. Uh, in Chris at Christmas, we take stockings out full of goodies, and Andy will be going at Christmas to give out Bulgarian Christmas stockings. Uh, and so um, I don't know if we've actually got any more projects. I think we have got another photo there, Graham. Here they are in the after-school project. Really nice. We work with the local churches there and uh, the pastors involved in the program and there are the children doing their, their work there. So like I say, it's we can't change the world, but we can change someone's world. Each of these children, each of these women are incredibly precious to Jesus. And we want them to know that. We work with women, no matter their religion. We have Muslims on our program. We have Hindus on our program. But it's a Christian program. And they hear the word of God. And we have many that come to know Jesus. How incredible is that? That they now have eternal hope, as well as hope here on earth. So I want to say thank you to this church, because you support us every single month, on a monthly basis. You donate. And many of you here, individually, give to World of Worth. And if you'd like to support us, because all of this does take money, if you'd like to support us, we have our leaflets on the back there. You can sign up to support us on a monthly basis. You can make a one-off donation. But we want to say thank you so much for your prayers, your support, for everything that you do for World of Worth. 
And obviously, if you want to come to the Wellbeing Day as well, two weeks' time, all of that money, 100%, is going to those women there in Ethiopia um, to help them with their micro-businesses. So thank you. I will now introduce Andy. I need to turn the mic on, apparently. <laughs> so, so anyway, I just talked rubbish for the last few minutes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, as Rachel said, I've just got back from Uganda. And if you just go back a couple of minutes to when Rachel was talking about one of the ladies called Rose, I want to give you an update on, on Rose and her family. There's a certain man within, in this church with an African shirt on who was just retired, apparently. And what he did, he gave the funds that he collected from his retirement gift to actually gave it to WOW and said, can we go and bless an orphan family? If we could get the sewing machine media ready, this is what we were able to do when I was there in Uganda because I like to do things off the hoof. Here's a little bit of media. Okay, so the sound's not working on that, but that is Caroline, and Caroline is one of the family members that Rose is caring for. Caroline has just completed the uh, skills training that we do in the project there in Arua, where she went through a skills training where we taught her as a, in tailoring. And actually what we did during that whole thing that she was going through the tailoring course, when she graduated, it was great, but actually she wasn't able to do anything. And actually what we were able to do with the money that was given to us, we were then able to buy her a sewing machine, not just a sewing machine, but also some cloths and some material that straight away she can now start to generate income for her family. Can, she can start to do, actually to generate income. And actually that's to come alongside Rose as well. So what a great blessing a certain young man has been from this church into Uganda. And I want to remind you this morning, church, you need to know that actually we are where we are in Uganda today because of this church, because of this house, because of your faithfulness of sowing into Arua in Uganda. It's exciting about what God has got ahead. Over the last few months, we've been speaking to Steve about actually how we can partner further with the project there in Uganda. Actually, as a church... How can you come alongside WOW to actually see new ground broken, to see new projects planted? 
And as I've said, I've just got back. And you might think, actually, can we really make a difference? Yes, you can. I was there in Uganda just a few weeks ago, and what we did was something that we all take for granted that meant so much. There's a lady called Beatrice on our project there. She's 68 years old. Her circumstances and her situation are one of the worst that you will ever hear about. And she lives on our WOW project on the land there, which is a community center, but it's a church. And there's a church meeting there today of 150 people. And that's grown over the last two years. And we bought Beatrice. I went into her room and, and she was there with, it's not rendered, it's a mud floor. And, and we're just working part of the chunky challenges to get that building finished. And actually, when we went into her room, she was sleeping on a mat with a bamboo topper. And I looked at our project leader, and I said, can we, not, can we not do something? Can we not get her a bed? And Agnes said, well, yeah, why not? So I come on then. So we went into town, we bought her a bread, we bought her a mattress, we chucked her on the roof of the van, and within a matter of hours, we were back on the land. And we gave Beatrice this bed. It was like she had won the national lottery. We carried this bed into her room, and we put her on this bed, and she's on this bed thanking God for the bed, which cost us a mattress and a frame, 60 pounds. You've probably spent that on a meal at Pizza Hut. And actually, what we did when we, when we left her, I said to her, right, we're going now, we're off for the day. And you need to know that Beatrice, traditionally, is up at 6 a.m. every morning. She works on the land. She farms the land. She's an incredible lady who's leading one of our projects, one of the clusters there. And I love this. We went back the following day, and Beatrice was looking well. She was looking refreshed. And I said, what time did you wake up? She said, 11 a.m. She said, I slept till 11 a.m. <laughs> I said, I'm not. I, did, did, did. I said, you carry on doing that. We're going to take the bed away from you because you've got work to do. But you know, I love the fact that little things make a difference. And actually what we want to do, and this is the part where you guys have the opportunity to start with something small. You've heard what we're doing in, you, in Arua. You've heard the heart and the passion and the, the foundation that we have. But actually as a church, you have the opportunity and are going to invest into restarting exactly what we do in Arua in a town called Lyra, where we're going to come alongside in a small way, groups of women, where we can train them, where we can give them micro-business training, where they have the opportunity to join the micro-business program, to receive loans, to train them in all the skills that they're going to need to see their lives transformed. But whatever we do, and you hear me say this every time, whatever we do, whether we feed, whether we clothe, whether we give food pods, we want them to know, above all else, that they're of worth in God's eyes that he loves them, that he sent his only son to die for them. And that is the very heart and the very core of what we're about. And I love it. I love seeing the transformation that is happening in these lives. And you as a church have the opportunity to be at the very start of that in Lyra. How amazing is that? Oh, come on, church. It needs to be a little bit better than that. And what we want to do is you don't just get to give. And trust me, I want your money. I really, really want your money, but actually what I want to do is I want to give you the opportunity to come with us to the Uganda, to come on mission, to come and see, to taste, to smell, to tread in all the things that I get to do when I travel, you get to come and do it. So next year, 
you will have the opportunity to come to Uganda with Andy David. Now that is definitely worth the trip. Look at my Facebook photos. <laughs> it's not like going with Rachel where you have to work really hard. All right? If you come with me, it's fun. And, and we might even squeeze in a safari. But um, I can't guarantee that. But you know what? I love the fact that we get to make a difference. So I want to encourage you, actually, yes, stop having that cost of coffee once a month and actually help us to help women like Beatrice. Because actually what we've noticed is we've noticed as we work with these women, we see their perspective change. We see how they start to look at life completely differently. As Rachel said, those group of women in Ethiopia literally would be head down. But actually over the years, we've seen their heads raise. We've seen them start to look up. We've seen them start to engage. We've seen them start to dance. We've seen their lives completely transformed. And there's a story in the Bible from Luke 13, verses 10 to 17. And I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but it's about Jesus healing on the Sabbath. And it's about Jesus reaching out and touching a woman who had been crippled for 18 years, whose, whose perspective of life would have been significantly changed because of her physical need. And we read there that actually Jesus reached forward and as he touched her body, her circumstances changed significantly. All of a sudden, she straightened up and her posture changed completely. And what we found with the women is we see their perspective needs to change. When we come alongside them, when we train and when we educate, we need to see them or we see them actually change their perspective of how they are seen, how they react, how they respond. And this woman in the Bible, she was 18 years of being bent over double. Physically, she'd been stooped over. She'd been in pain. The way that people treated her would have been completely different as a result of that injury or that curse or whatever you want to read it. There's different versions say different things. She would have led a lonely and detached life. And all the set, that's exactly the same for so many of the women that we're working with. And when they come on the WOW programs, they become part of the community. They're given the training. They're given the permagarden training. They become part of the micro-business opportunity. The thing that we start to change is we start to change their mindset. We start to give them hope. We start to restore the dignity that so often has been pushed down, that has been... They've been told they're worthless. They've been abandoned. They've been neglected. They've gone through horrendous circumstances. And some of them accept that that is just my lot in life. But we want to tell them, actually, that's not God as a plan. And he has a purpose for you. He wants to see you standing up straight. He wants to see their perspective and their outlook of change completely on their life. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That lady in the story, in the Bible there, her mindset was changed as soon as Jesus reached out and touched her. Physically, she was changed. And all of a sudden, her position, I love this bit, she had to make a choice to actually go to the synagogue to receive her healing. This nameless woman 
she had to make that choice. She'd heard about Jesus. It was all over Facebook. It was all over Twitter. It was ranking higher than Restore Church was. But actually, she'd heard the stories, and she decided this, this crippled woman bent over that she would make her way to the synagogue to hear about Jesus. Now, she didn't just get to the building. In order to position herself correctly, she had to push through. She would have had to get through the crowd and actually get to the point where she could literally just probably see people's feet to actually just see who wants to look at people's dirty feet and sandals and, and everything else like that. But that what was she had become used to. But she put herself in that position where she could hear Jesus. For 18 years, she had been in that position which would have impacted so many areas of her life. Her mental health. Can you imagine for 18 years being walked past, being shunned, being pushed out the way? That would have had an impact on her life. And that's exactly for the same for the women that we're working with. That's exactly the same for Beatrice, who has been through circumstances. It's exactly the same for Joyce, one of the ladies on, our store, on the project. That lady in the Bible, that nameless lady, pushed through and broke down what was politically correct because she put herself in a position to be at the front, past all of the, the synagogue leaders and all of those people that were there. She pushed through to actually put herself in that position where she could receive her healing. And when she received her healing, and this is the bit that I love, when she received her healing, and the first thing that she saw as she started to straighten up that 18-year-old's achy back, she looked straight into the face of Jesus. The first thing she saw in that transformation of her life, when her posture changed, was actually Jesus' face. I love the fact that Jesus broke cultural. He didn't listen to what was accepted and not accepted. He was determined that he would release that woman. He was determined to actually change that woman's circumstances to make a difference in her life. Not just for a day, not just for a week, but for the rest of her life. Her life was completely transformed. And that's what I love about doing what I do. I love the fact that despite what society has told some of these women, despite their perspective, actually we want to get them to a position where their posture is changed, where the first thing they start to straighten up and they start to see is they look into the eyes of Jesus. How powerful is that? And actually what we've seen is complete transformation. We've seen these women's stories, as you've heard this morning, completely transformed. Their outlook of life has changed. Not just their life, but their family's lives. Not just their family's lives, but the people they do life with. Not just the people they do life with, but communities. I love the fact that the women get together in clusters. Two weeks ago, I love this, I was in one of the clusters. It was hot. It was sweaty. We were under a, a tent and Ian's been there and it was warm and it was uncomfortable. But there was something about this group of women as they started to praise and as they started to worship as their hands started to raise, and I couldn't tell you what they were singing, but they were worshipping Jesus, 
and their hands were raised. They were just so thankful for the transformation that is happening in their life that, that we are able to do. And we play a small part in that. But actually, when we all come together and we all work together, we can start to see a woman's life changed. We can start to see a family's life changed. This morning, you've, I've said about the family of Rose who've had the sewing machine. From, from somebody in Plymouth who decided, I'm going to give this. It might seem an insignificant amount, but it's the heart of which it's given. You might think that actually what I can do, it's really not going to make a difference. But imagine if everybody in this room gave one pound a month. And you need to give a lot more than that, trust me. If every one of you gave a hundred pounds, we'd be a hundred pounds. There's the ego. There we go. That was pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> if all of us just gave a pound, there'd be well over a hundred pound here this morning. And what would that do? That would actually allow us to start this project there in Lyra to actually start to work with women. And everything that we do, the heart of what we want to do is we want to bring self-sustainability. To move from a handout to a hand up. To empower, to train, and to release. Because I don't want to be doing this forever. Trust me. And Rachel is obviously getting a lot older. So I've got to be very mindful of that as well. It's, it's going to be a long drive home, isn't it? <laughs> but actually, what we want to do is I don't want them, and I'm saying to all of our projects at this time, I don't want you to be looking to me for all the answers. I don't want you to be looking to me for all the finance. Actually, guys, you've got to be able to do this for yourself. And every training that we're doing, every empowerment that we're doing at the moment, is actually, you can do this. To actually see them released to actually generate income. The micro-business stuff. The transformation is amazing. There's a story, and I'll finish with this one of Josephine, and I might have said this one, but actually bear with me. Josephine came to our project three years ago. She was on the outskirts of the project. She wasn't part of it, but she just happened to hear the singing and the dancing that I talked about. And she'd had a bad week. She'd had a bad few weeks. She was literally on the verge of taking her own life. And she heard this singing, she heard this dancing, and she just stuck her head there. And the project leader just went over and got talking to her. And it turns out that her husband had died just a few weeks ago. She had absolutely nothing. She had three children in a desperate situation. And the project leader, I love the fact that they, she's just gone, yes. Josephine said, could I join this, this group of women? And the answer was yes. And she's been on the project now for three years. And I saw Josephine two weeks ago. And she came running up to me. And gave me one of those amazing hugs that I get. Because I am a huggy person now. <laughs> but actually, she gave me this hug and squeezed me so tight. And with the translator, I said to her, can you tell me exactly what's going on? What's the difference? And she said, now she has the income that she has from the micro business. She's been able to buy goats. She's been breeding the goats and she's selling the goats. And actually, by selling the goats, she's paying for her children to go to school. She has the perma garden that she's working. And actually, by the perma garden, she's able to put food onto the table. By putting food onto the table, her kids are healthier. She's healthier. And we're seeing transformation. That's just one lady. You know, this morning, you have the opportunity to actually invest into WOW. 
You guys have been amazing and faithful for so many years. But I want to put the pressure on. Because actually, I want to see more lives transformed. I want to see more people come to know Jesus. And I want actually the project and the women in Uganda to see their lives transformed for good. And you this morning have a decision to make. You can think, actually, I'll leave it to somebody else. Don't. You can think, actually, I do something already. Actually, give up that cost of coffee and invest it into, sorry, Jubilana coffee. Don't give up the Jubilana coffee. (laughs) There's a politically hot potato there. But actually, choose to do something this morning that is an investment into the lives of the women there in there. I'm looking forward to getting Steve out, and I'm going to get him to have the biggest pile of cassava because it's the most tasty, wholesome food you can ever get in Uganda, isn't it, Ian? It's lovely. It's really, really nice, and you will enjoy that. But seriously, you have the opportunity to make a difference. Scan the QR code. 2 Corinthians, I'm going to finish with this. There's the good news. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 says, You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. But give, for God loves a person who is a cheerful giver. You guys, you need to be happy here in Plymouth and actually invest into the project there in Lyra. God bless you all.